0: First Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians, did I say 1st? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 9, 10, and 11. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your own divine and inspired word. We pray, O God, that you would wing your word to every heart this morning and to every mind. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. We pray, O God, that your son would be glorified not only now, but forever and ever. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. Father, we love your Son. And we thank you for every remembrance of him. Yea, he is all together lovely. Touch our hearts this morning. By thy spirit and word we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we were on the judgment seat of Christ. And we are back on the judgment seat of Christ this morning. This is part two. I'm not going to do a big recap. But really I want to get stuck into the word. The next part of this study this morning. Of course, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So from the outset, we showed you last week, I want to from the outset again show you, lest I be misunderstood. The judgment seat of Christ of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 is for the believer, not the unsaved. The great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20 is for the unsaved and not the believer. Both are not the same, but very different, even in time of eschatology. That is, in the things to do from the second coming of Christ, they are completely different. Remember, this is not about your salvation, but your service as a Christian. It's not about your redemption, but your reward. Your reward. And every one of us will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns. Every single Christian will at this judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat is the Bema seat. And we looked at how even the Bema seat isn't all hearts and flowers, as it were, reward, 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 but rather it can be for loss, too. Haven't time to go into it, give you examples last week, even Pilate's judgment seat was a Bema seat. That Bema seat is where he sent Christ to the cross from. Now, you will not lose your salvation. Let me put that clear. This is not about you losing your salvation. This is about you losing reward or gaining reward, whatever the Lord deems it fit. We looked about our judgment last week also. And we did go, of course, and we looked at some things that are mistakenly taken by even people in the world who really don't know much about the scriptures, but rather they would say, judge not that you be not judged. For whatever measure you judge, you'll be measured unto you again. And really they take it out of context, for we are the judge. We are. A different study, but we are. We looked at it, the, the idea of it is the motive of the heart in our judgment. How you judge someone, the motive of your heart, you will find it the beam of seat. You will be judged and the same mo- motive with the issue that Christ brings before you. So let's guard our hearts and watch how we judge people. The motive of it. And so we looked at that last week and we finished with the idea of the measure. The measure you judge is the measure which will be you will be judged with. And if you remember last week we finished where in our Lord's day, the people would have realized what he was saying about this measure because the rabbis would have taught of the two measures of God, the two measures of God. There was a measure of justice and there was a measure of mercy. So the Lord Jesus saying this isn't just plucking it from the sky, as it were. He does nothing in the Word like that. He, He always has a purpose in his Word. There's not a word of Christ that drops to the ground. Not one. And so when he says this, he's he saying it to a congregation or a crowd who will realize that rabbis taught of a measure of justice or a measure of mercy. Now, if we all got the measure of justice, every one of us, if we all received the measure of justice, people say, I don't like how he or she or they or them are, or getting on, or whatever's happened, or the way they've lived. Listen, if we all received the measure of justice, every one of us would be lost. Every single one of us would be lost. Well, thank the Lord and His Son, He gave us the measure of mercy. Mercy being when we do not receive that which we do deserve. When we do not receive that which we do deserve. Being different from grace. Grace is when we do receive that which we don't deserve. So the measures of justice and the measures of mercy are to do with the judge not lest to be judged. It's the motive of the heart. Something else I want us to take note of if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 12 please. Matthew chapter 12. We're just going to lift a, a couple or a few verses. Let your eye run down the chapter, please, and listen to what it says in verse thirty-four, Matthew twelve thirty-four. O of vipers, how can ye be an evil? Speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Notice out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Underline it. A good man out of the good treasures of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. Now take note of this in verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word, underline it in bold, every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Every idle word. Verse 37, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. By thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. The Pharisees the Jewish Pharisees had attributed the work of the Holy Spirit to the healing of the man, of the healing of the man with a withered hand, to Beelzebub, saying that he is off Beelzebub doing these healings. Speaking of the Lord Jesus, and so the Lord Jesus he challenges them because he healed in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, but they were warned of their blasphemous outbursts against what the Holy Spirit's doing. And for those of us who judge things that are spiritual, be careful that we do not attribute that which God is doing to the work of the devil. Be very careful that it is not attributed to what God is doing. We are to try the spirits. We are to test them. But be very careful how we judge them. The state of a man's heart, brothers and sisters, can be seen through the words which he speaks or she speaks. The state of a heart will fancy come out of the mouth. If you're with someone and they're always negative, that's the state of their heart. If someone is hurting, eventually they will speak hurt. That's the state of their heart. I'm not saying for or against hearing that. I'm just saying that's the state of their heart. They can try and cover up and clothe it up, but eventually they will bring it up. If you're in someone's company and their language is blue, as it were, if their language is crude, that's the state of their heart. It eventually comes out. If you're in someone's company and they're always using swear words or even if Christ isn't mentioned in their conversation, you've been with them for quite a while, that's the state of their heart, meaning Christ takes a lesser place in that life. Think about this. Not saying, You have to be so heavenly minded you're no earthly use. I'm not saying that. But somewhere in your conversation surely it must come up about what God is doing. I told you. I've been up and down to see Pastor McConnell. I went to see him and spent an hour and a half with him last week in the hospital. I'm starting to ask him how he's getting on. Seconds, seconds, literally seconds. Act this, that, and the other. Then he says to me, what's the Lord doing? Tell me what God is doing. And there he was on his hospital table that they pull over the bed. There he had his Bible. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon and Alexander White, old books that he's reading. But tell me what the Lord's doing. That's his heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. If you're with someone and they're always angry, it's because their spirit is angry. Their heart is angry. And their heart needs changed by the Holy Ghost. In other words, the Holy Spirit hasn't much to do with that person. We all have our temperaments, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about in a state of that Or bitterness, or unforgiveness, then we have to ask where is the Lord and His word in that heart? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It's an obvious fact that there's nothing so revealing about a person than their words. Once a word is spoken, once a word is spoken, nothing, nothing can bring that word back. People may say, I take back what I said, and we must forgive on that. But once it is spoken, it is spoken. Do you ever think of this? What did Adam lose in the garden? Yes, we lost fellowship with God, and Glenn had read it around the table of the Ministry of Reconciliation from the same chapter. But what did Adam lose in God, not only as it were the garment of light, what did Adam lose in God that we have inherited? Is it some sort of mental incapacity? I remember when we were putting this tent up, I was talking to Noah, and we were talking about things that people maybe won't think about. And I wonder in the kingdom when we are fully out of this body and we are changed into our new bodies, what our mindset will be like because we will have him completely in our minds and hearts. We will be fully submitted unto him in everything. And I was talking to Noel about it and we were talking about different things and I said, you know, Noel, I wonder do words have color and we don't know it. That might sound strange, but I wonder, do words have color, or do words have even shape? So, the words we speak, once they go past your ears, where do they go? Where do those words go? When they cannot be taken back, where do those words go? Do those words float off into the ether? Are they still in existence? Because the word that you speak can never be taken back. Because it's past our earshot, we have to think, where do those words go? What purpose were they for? And the thing is, in eternity, when Christ returns, we're told, we will give an account for every one of them that are idle. You know, I looked this up early this morning because this came into my mind. Do you know an earthworm? An earthworm they say has several hundred neurons in its little brain to make it function. But a human has between 80 to 100 billion 80 to 100 billion neurons in their brain. And science can only work out a little part of it. And not only is it 80 to 100 billion neurons, it has over 100 trillion connections within your brain. And they're trying to tell you there's no great creator. So I wonder what our minds will be like, fully submitted and illuminated, enlightened in the kingdom. I don't know. I don't know. But these are also the brains that people are aborting. Destroying. Notice this. Proverbs 18 and verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I'm going to say it again. Kevin, could you open those doors and put something behind them? Stop them banging, please. Thank you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is important. I want us all to get this. Because it affects every single one of us. And it's my duty to tell you these last couple of weeks, you will stand before the judgment seat, the bema seat of Christ. You won't be judged for your sin as washed away, but for service and how we acted. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So the things we say out of the motive of the heart we have spoken about, the judgments we make Power in that tongue. Brother, you have the power to encourage this morning. Sister, you have the power to build up this morning. Or you have the power to make someone discourage and tear them down. And whatever one you love doing, that shows the abundance out of your heart. And the one that you love doing, the abundance shown out of your heart, guess what? It says you'll eat the fruit of that too. You and I will eat the fruit of it. Will you turn with me to Isaiah 55, please? Isaiah chapter 55. And let's just lift out a verse or two. Let's just read verse 11. "'So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. "'It shall not return unto me void, "'but it shall accomplish that which I please.'" and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. We have to then think of this, brothers and sisters, that since God has given his word, it will not return void. We can trust him then on everything he says. We can believe him and stand in every word he tells us because it will not return unto him without fruit or void. His son is the word, isn't he? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we're told, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He sent forth and what His Word Christ has done will not return unto the Father void. For all whom the Father hath given to Him will come to Him. So you will not be lost, but your reward you will stand. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I found it, it strange because <clears throat> our social media page on the Facebook one, well not even the website, we have something like over, just over 11,500 followers. And after I preached this last week, it dropped off by about 15 right away by people who probably didn't want to hear it. But guess what? It's back up over again. Others did. (laughs) Others did. Because men and women know that they want to eat meat. Meat. I could tell you nice stories that will maybe pump up your tires, you know, inflate the ego, Make you feel good. And you go, wasn't that great? And then trouble comes and trials come and you're deflated like a busted balloon. But when you eat meat, it just gives you strength. Candy floss tastes nice, doesn't it? But you're sick after one or two of them. I couldn't even eat one of them. Notice here, in Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to go on to another one. This is one for me, for the elders, for the ministers out there, for the pastors out there. So don't forget, so every idle word will stand, all of us. But here's one for us, Hebrews 13 and verse 17. I'll get a drink, my throat's a bit dry here. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Here is toward those who are under headship. Listen, church was formed in the wounds of Christ, brothers and sisters, through the Holy Ghost. Think about it. And so then, church then was formed as in uh, the hand of God in church, the apostles, prophets, uh, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, And then through that was the elders and setting up deacons and so on. And that is the biblical pattern of the church. That's biblical. And also to come under headship of a church, of of a, a leadership that preaches the word now. Not a hierarchy that says, do all this and don't do themselves. So this is what is said to us this morning. Obey them that have the rule over you. Notice, and submit yourselves. That's hard to take, isn't it? I'm not going to let him tell me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying what the Scripture says. And why is this being written? Notice, for they watch for your souls. For they watch for your souls as they must give an account As they that must give an account. Notice, I'm going to give an account. I will give an account. I will stand before God for my service, faithfulness, words, and for how I teach and how I lead the flock he has placed us over. I will give an account. The elders will give an account. And that's why sometimes we have to put things in place or everything would just be a mess. In fact, nowadays you're having such things as, and this is a true name of it, Messy Church. Who's ever heard of Messy Church? Yeah, Messy Church. In other words, it's just a mess. And the, the minister comes in and says a wee word or two for 15 minutes and everything's a mess and he's just all lying about the place and off he goes. It's true. But the scripture says that everything should be done decently and in order. So, take note of this. So, we watch for your souls. And sometimes we come to someone and say, listen, let me talk to you about this matter. Or let us talk to you about things that's happening. Or let us try and advise you about this. What saith the scriptures? We then, you hear me all the time. You get out to your meetings, be in your place. You know why? Because every time you come out, you're preaching to a world. You're preaching to a world who's unsaved. That you follow Christ not only on a Sunday morning, but every time the doors are open. We watch for your souls because we care for your souls. We love your souls. And we know that you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It says that we will give an account that they may do it with joy. In other words, that we, we, we detest, it. detest it when people are offended. If any of us go out with a wrong motive to you, a wrong motive in our hearts, then we will stand for that. We will give account for that. And so we must come with a right motive. The pastor, the elders, oversight must come with a right motive. And here's the thing. There are men out there and they won't teach their people anything. They're, They're like, they have a church full of mushrooms. You know what mushrooms are? You know? They're kept in the dark and fed on manure. That's true. I was told this week, two days ago maybe now, And over in Cardiff someone went to a church in Cardiff and when they went to the church the speaker didn't turn up. Maybe he had a good reason, I don't know, didn't turn up. And this person who brought them says, he can give his testimony. So up he gets into the pulpit they give his testimony, there's a piece of paper here and it says be punctual, be on time and don't preach the blood. That's not a church. That's often an anti-Christ spirit. That's what it said. So I'm told that he get up give his testimony and preach the blood. Good on them. Good on him. So we will come and we detest it when people are upset. But there's things that we have to try and put in place and try and help along with. You think of the many people. I know there's people away today, and you can see that. No, but look, that's summer for you. But listen there's times we will sit with you, talk to you, or even don't, because we believe through the ministry. That we have been taught of the Lord. It's not time to speak to that person yet because of their attitude. They're not ready. That we may do it with joy, not with grief, for that is un- unprofitable for you. In other words, it says that, that we might, like watchful shepherds, it's like those, here's what the Hebrew writer writes. Those, we are like watchful shepherds. We are like those who are nursing. Now listen, nursing a critical case. I'm going to leave here early as I said to go to the hospital because of a critical case. Things are not good. Spiritually, there's many Christians that are in a critical case. Critical. Spiritually critical. And so we try to keep you going. Listen, church doesn't save you, and going to church isn't about the only faithfulness nor fruit of the Spirit. Part of it, not all of it. But it's our calling to be at you, to be out. You know why? Because if you're not you become lackadaisical. You become lazy. You even get lost in yourself. Not to God, but lost in yourself. There's many a church, many a people, many a Christians are in a critical case. They are a critical case. And it's like going and you need to go visit them before they pass away. Sometimes you need to, come on, jumpstart you. Come on. I don't like it. Leave me alone. I'm all right. Come on. We love you. We're doing it because we care for your soul. Help us to do it with joy, would you? Turn with me to Luke 19. We're going to read this and we'll wrap this up for today. <clears throat> Luke chapter 19. The Lord willing, next week, I'm going to open my heart to you on a couple of theological issues. I'm not dogmatic on it, but I'm going to show you what I believe in the reward of resurrection. Bodily resurrection. Luke 19 In verse 12, please, the Lord Jesus is the speaker. He said, therefore, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Speaking of himself, he's away and he will come again. Notice, and he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. He didn't say, Go and die and wither up on the vine until I come. He said, Occupy, action, work, movement, service. Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. That's he speaking of the Jews of his day. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Would you say, gained by trading? Gained by trading. Would you say it louder? So you and I are to occupy till he comes. Would you say till occupy till he comes? Gain by trading. Gained by trading. Okay. Verse sixteen. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. Notice it is not the man's pound, it's the Lord's pound. It's not your pound, it's the Lord's pound. In other words, it's not your gift, it's his gift. It's not your abilities; it's his abilities in you. He says, thy pound hath gained ten pounds, and he said unto him, well, thy good servant, because thou hast been faithful, notice, because thou hast been faithful in a very little didn't even say, "Look, you're great here. You're, you know, you're a good servant, and you've been faithful in a bit." He's not expecting too much of us. It's our reasonable service, Paul calls it. Because I hast been faithful in a little, have thy authority over ten cities. And the second time, and the, the second came saying, "Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds," and he said, "Likewise to him." Be thy also over five. Here is the Lord's away, his return. And now he says, at the, This would be the judgment seat of Christ, the bema seat for reward or loss. And what does he say? Your pound has gained ten, he says. And you have authority over ten cities. Thy pound, the second one says, has gained five pounds. He says, You have authority over five cities. That's reward. That's the reward. Verse 20, And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept, laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Notice the words, Out of thine own mouth I will judge thee. Isn't that what we read earlier? Every idle word out of thine own mouth I will judge thee. Thy wicked servant thou knewest that I was an austere man, steerman, man, taking up that I had not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then Gavest thou not thou my pound into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. Notice that. Take his pound, and give it to him that has ten. This man with ten, who starts off the same, has now ten. Ten cities he said, and the Lord says, Take it from him, he'll have nothing. He'll have 11 now. For I say unto you that every one which shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away from him. And then he said, But those mine enemies would not not, that I should reign over them, bring them hither, and slay them before me, speaking about the Jews. Of course, that happened in AD 70. Titus came. So, brothers and sisters, we can see that all of us are not just wafting to heaven in a hand basket. Neither are we trundling to hell in a handcart because we're saved. We are saved. But we will give an account for that which we have done in the kingdom of God. Notice as I just close this, the man wrapped up the pound and he buried it. And he said to the Lord, you're an austere man. and other words, it means you're hard. You're awful hard. Imagine saying to the Lord Jesus Christ after all he's done for us, Lord, you're awful hard. You're awful hard, Lord. Hey, after him dying for us. Going to the cross for you. Taking your sin and shame on His own body, your punishment. Imagine any one of us turning to Him and say, "You're an austere man. You're a, you're a hard man, Lord." Listen, I find Him altogether lovely. I find that I serve Him out of love, out of love. I wondered, did this man know him much? Or did he even know him at all? Because he called him a wicked servant. There's people in the vineyard today, in our nation, and they're saying the Lord's and have buried their pound, wrapped it up and buried it, and said, Here, look, I haven't stolen it and I haven't run away with it. And the Lord says, You should have done give it to the bank as it were. In other you should have done something even for the the interest of it. And if he had a new Christ, he wouldn't have called him an austere man. Rather, he lost his pound. Didn't say he lost his soul. It says he lost his
1: pound. I will serve thee because I love thee you have given life to me I was nothing For you found me, you have given. You have given life to me.
0: maybe you're not saved this morning and you're here. You're not here by accident but you're here by divine appointment. I know we've spoken to the Christian believers this morning but we also mentioned Revelation 20 and the great white throne judgment where all who are not found written in the book of life or cast into a lake of fire. If you're not saved, that's your destiny. It was my destiny and every other person here. But God gave his son and sent him forth to die for you, to die for me on Calvary's tree maybe you're not saved this morning you say you know pastor I know I'm not saved I want to be saved this morning and it's simple you come to Christ this morning you speak to us this morning we'll pray with you we'll point you to Calvary we'll point you to the Son of God Point you to the blood Jesus shared for you. Tim, would you come up please?